0: Sometimes we can become so stuck in our old habits that it creates a blind spot that keeps us from changing. Mabel is one of those stuck people. She has a lifelong pattern of sinful anger and does not know how to overcome it. Recently, after a dust-up with her friend Marge, I gave her a practical analysis of the problem at hand and also a solution. Mabel has hope now. She also has a plan for lasting change. Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast. I am Rick Thomas. I'm so glad that you are here. Thank you for listening. This is episode 263. The title of the podcast is, How to Be Free of Your Sin Regardless of the Other Person. Well, I'm talking about a relationship in this podcast. The specific subject that I'm discussing or talking about is sinful anger. And so we have my friend Mabel here, and she did have that dust up with Marge, and it has been an ongoing thing in their relationship for several decades now. And so as I was talking to Mabel, she explained to me what happened and how it has happened so many times in the past, and then she started walking me through the repentance process. And as I was listening to her, it became clear that uh, there's a little glitch in how she thinks about repentance. And so I brought that to her attention. We had a wonderful discussion and it, it was so it's so relevant that I wanted to put this in a, a podcast because most of us probably struggle with anger. Uh, that we have this ongoing relationship with anger, and we can get so stuck that we can be blinded to it, and it can be frustrating. I have said in other places that many people, and many Christians I'm talking about, have this low-grade fever, this low-grade anger that runs under the surface of their lives, and nobody really knows it's there, and then it spikes and people are looking at it like where did that come from well that has always been there but you could not perceive it until it spiked now granted there are other people that that spike regularly daily multiple times during the day you can you can find them on social media they seem to be there in clusters But for many of us, it's just this low-grade fever that runs under the surface of our lives, and it can be frustrated, and we can want to get rid of it but not know how. And so I want to talk about this sinful anger in a relationship that you want to get rid of, because that's where Mabel was when we had this discussion. Now, Everything that I'm going to share with you is true, except for the names of the two people involved. And so Mabel is a real person, and so is Marge, but that is not their names. But what I shared with Mabel, I'm going to recreate that the best that I can in this episode. Again, this is episode 263, How to Be Free of Your Sin Regardless of the Other Person. And so let me set the stage for you. You sin in anger. We're talking about sinful anger. In in this case, Mabel did, but I will talk as though I'm talking to you. It is a life-dominating sin. Now, in Mabel's case, she has matured through the decades. Uh, When she was younger, in her 20s, let's say, her anger was more volatile, pounding the fist on the table or yelling or throwing things by her own admission. And what can happen for many of us, and I know it's definitely the case with me and I'm sure some of you can identify, is that our, our anger can mature or we can mature. And, and what will happen is that our sin will not be as volatile. Uh, we will have the more subtle forms of sin or what Jerry Bridges called refined sin. And on a consequential level, Well, obviously, abusive, loud, volatile anger is far worse than more subtle and quieter forms of sinful anger, like huffing under your breath, or being critical, or the brooder, silent treatment, rolling of the eyes, impatience, being inconvenienced by by other people. And that's where I land on the anger spectrum. Some of you are familiar with our infographic called the anger spectrum, and I have a replication of that here in the show notes in episode 263. And if you look at this anger spectrum, you will see the two sides of sinful anger. One is the loud volatile, and the other is the more subtle, quieter anger. And in Mabel's case, she has moved from loud from loud anger to a quieter form of anger. And again, from a consequential spec perspective, that is better. But I'm not addressing the consequential effects of our anger in this podcast. I want to speak more from an ontology, an ontological perspective, because whether you're boiling mad or throwing things, or you are negative and, and critical and being stubborn or dismissive, the quieter forms, the refined, refined sins. Any of those would put Christ on the cross, and it's important for us to to understand this because we don't want to think of ourselves as being better than the person who sins differently than we do. Now again, from a consequential perspective, I had much rather live with the critical person, the naggy person, the the rolling of the eyes person, or even the impatient person than an abusive person. Yeah, no question. And I think all of you would would agree to that. And I have been in abusive relationships as far as my family and my childhood is concerned, which I've spoken about before. And so if, or if those are my choices, give me the critical person, uh, not the abusive person. But again, in this podcast, I want to talk about This low-level sinful anger that rides underneath the surface of our lives, and it's troublesome. And the cool thing about Mabel is that she's humble enough to recognize this. And so the person that we are talking about here is a humble person who loves God and truly loves others, but has this nagging, recurring temptation, blind spot, around sinful anger, around this particular individual, Marge. And and God, in fact, I told Mabel, I said, well, Marge apparently is an instrument of righteousness in God's hands that he is using to identify something in your life that you need to take care of. And again, over the decades, she has matured, praise God, but she wants to get rid of it. And so as I listened to her talk about how she worked through resolution to the anger response, the sinful anger response to Marge. As I listened to her talk me through, walk me through the process of cleaning up this mess, it became apparent that She's only cleaning it up on a surface level, but not at a heart level. And so I challenged Mabel that if you really want to change, you've got to go underneath the behavior of the problem, and you really have to identify what is going on in your heart. You have to deal with the issue where it originates. In James 4 tells us where it originates when he says what causes quarrels and what causes conflict with Marge. Well, is it not this, Mabel, that you desire and do not have? And and so you you murder, You, you crave, and you cannot obtain, and so you fight and quarrel. And so James is saying that the source of the problem is you have desires, and you have cravings, and you have lust. Those three words are synonyms to the word idolatry, by the way. You have an idol. Those are three idols, craving and lust and and desires, sinful desires. And so you have these idols working in your heart. Marge comes along, and she does not perform according to your expectations. She does not give you what you want. And so you choose to go off on her in sinful anger, to put her in her place, to get what you want, to whatever the craving is. And so there is a deeper level problem, and Mabel, you have to learn how to address this at that practical, functional level of your heart. And she wasn't quite sure how to do that, which is okay. It's okay as long as you admit that, and this is one of the the nails that we just hammer over and over again in our Mastermind program as we work with our students, because I find that they many of them have similar struggles. They can talk about the problem on the surface level, and they can talk about how they cleaned up the dust up on a surface level, but they keep repeating the same mistake, as we all do, as I have done many times in my life. And the reason, as I was le- uh, talking to Mabel It's because you're not getting to the source of the problem. And so this is what Mabel told me. She said, well, I got in a dust-up. Now, that's my word, not hers. I mean, she said, I got angry at Marge. And I said, well, okay, so how how did you work through that? Well, I, I went to her, and I apologized to her. Now, for those of you who have been listening to me for a while, you know that is a key word that I, I just can't let that word go because I really need to get inside that word to see what, what are you really saying? Because sometimes we can use words, but that's not what we mean by the use of that word. And so I wanted to know that. So I'm not talking about being the word police here, not the word police. But if that's the word that you're going to use, then I need to know what do you mean? And what Mabel meant was, was pretty much how most people think about the word apologize. She went to Marge and she said, I, I am sorry for what I did. Now that is a problem. And so what Mabel was doing, she never, she didn't ask Marge to forgive her. Uh, she didn't allow Marge to. She brought Marge into the relational problem by getting angry at her. But she did not allow Marge to come into the reconciliation, come into the repentance process. And so Mabel was still in control of the narrative, she was controlling the situation. I am sorry for what I did. But there's no transaction there, and I, I brought that up to Mabel, and we talked about that in depth as I'm sharing with you here. She did not allow Marge to forgive her. It was a sin acted out on another person, and the offender, the sinner, continues to remain in control of the situation. You see that? You see, if you don't you're not taking a humble position. You're not taking a lower position. You're still managing. You manage the original problem by sinning against them to manipulate the situation, to get whatever it is that you wanted to get. And so you were in control of the sin event, and now you're in control of the so-called forgiveness process. Do you see? Both those things are identical. She's still in control. Because she's not allowing Marge to step in and and Mabel take a humble position below Marge and ask a, a transacting question, Will you forgive me? And this is important for every time you or I that we become sinfully angry. If if we just say, I am sorry that may make us feel better and we can go away thinking that that this thing is resolved but it's not resolved between you and the other person and it's not resolved between you and the lord relational interaction that merely happens on the surface level that is That will not give you what you need to overcome the anger as far as rooting it out. So all Mabel did is she created relational calmness between her and Marge. But underneath, you remember a while ago I was talking about sinful anger that rides under the surface of our lives that you never see from another person, and then Marge comes into the room and and does something that Mabel doesn't like, and then it spikes and everybody like, oh, wow, she, uh, Mabel is like angry. And so what does Mabel do? She deals with the spike, the point of the spear at the top. She says, well, uh, I am sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for the event. I am sorry for this interaction that we had. But she's not dealing with the genesis, the origination, the cause. What causes quarrels? What Causes conflict, is it not this? And she's not dealing with her desires, her cravings, and her lusts. So what she gets by smoothing it over that way is she gets calmness for a few days, maybe a couple of weeks, maybe for a few weeks. There aren't any spikes, but Mabel has not changed. And by the way, the tension with the other person doesn't find resolution uh, either, because again, the other person wasn't invited into the repentance process. And so this person, a lot of times what happens is Mabel says, "I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for getting angry at you. I, I shouldn't have done that." Marge says, oh, okay, well uh, okay, uh, it's it's okay or I understand or or whatever, but However that works out, all that creates is relational calmness. The spike retreats down below the surface, but that low-grade frustration, impatience that's running underneath the soil continues. It would be best if Mabel went more in-depth into this aspect of repentance, and the aspect of repentance that I'm talking about here is forgiveness. Repentance, the word, if you stretch it out, out, just stretch it out like a rubber band and look inside of it, what you will see is different aspects or different steps. And the way that we talk about it in our ministry is repentance is there's 13 steps. And I have an article here linked where you can read through all those all 13 of those steps. And and where you go from point one to point thirteen, you go from self-centered, all about me, in this case, angry, Self centered to other centered, which is step 13. And between 1 and 13 is a process of transformation or repentance or change. Well, one of those aspects in those 13 steps is this idea of forgiveness. And as you have probably already intuited, when Mabel went through the forgiveness process, all she said was, I am sorry for what I did. That is not forgiveness. And her sin continues to remain like a stain under white paint. What Mabel needs to do rather than apologizing or saying, I am sorry for what I did, she needs to enter into transactional forgiveness where you are requiring the person that you sinned against to step into the sphere of forgiveness. You brought them into the sphere of sin. You brought them into the sphere of the offense. Well, to do this right, you have to bring them within the sphere of forgiveness, a transactional thing must happen. Now, the way that you transact forgiveness between Mabel to Marge is you acknowledge what you did clearly. And the reason there, there are several reasons you want to do that, but, but one of them is you want to make it easy for them to forgive you. You convince them that you understand what you did. You understand the desires of the heart, the cravings. The lust of the flesh. You understand what is going on inside of you, and you make that clear to them because you want them to know that you fully understand what you did. Basically, you're making a case against yourself to convince them that you understand what you did. Now, you can already tell that this sounds a lot different than this milk toast. I am sorry, No, you're making a state, uh, uh, making a, a case against yourself, you're stating, you're confessing your anger. And the word confess means agree, and so you want them to agree with you with what you did. And for them to agree, you have to be clear, and so you want to identify, according to James 4, 1 through 6, talk about the lust, desires, the cravings of the flesh. I I wanted something so badly, and you you interrupted my day, and I was impatient with you. And then Mabel goes on and continues to explain this idolatry of the heart, that controls her and she convinces Marge that she just doesn't want to have relational calmness for today or tomorrow or the next week by retracting the point on her, the spike on her anger. We want to go beyond superficial and behavioral change. You want authentic heart transformation, which is why you are addressing it at the level of desires, lust, and cravings, not just what you did on a behavioral level. And when you have that kind of conversation with a person, you're actually acting out what Paul taught in Ephesians 4, 22, 23, 24. Put off the old person, renew the spirit of the mind, and put on a new person. See, if you want to functionally, practically change in a lasting way, you have to put off, you have to change your mind about what you are doing, and you begin to learn how to put on Christ. And so if you are powerfully putting off by talking through what you did with the offender. And so if you have that discussion with Marge about your sinful anger, you are putting off something because it's very clear that you understand. How can you put off what you, you you, don't know what to put off? And when you just say, well, I'm sorry for what I did, that doesn't even scratch the surface of the problem. And so as you walk through the forgiveness, transactional forgiveness process with Marge, you are powerfully putting off and you're clearly articulating there's a mind renewal here. And so you're not only putting off, but you are renewing the mind. And then you begin to as you address the desires and the lust and cravings of the heart, you begin to have you begin to learn how to have a different kind of conversation, redemptive speech, as Paul talked about in Ephesians 429 where you are now building up the person, which is an aspect of the, the putting on. If you only said, I'm sorry, you would never go to this relational depth with the person or with your sin, and your sin will remain, again, like a stain under the white paint. And that is the frustration that Mabel was having in her own life. You see, she's not a hypocrite she does love god and love others and she she wants to serve the lord she wants to be a disciple maker she just wants to spread the fame of god and and really work in the transformation of people's lives and and her anger has matured over the years in the sense of the consequences aren't as severe as they used to be but she's got that one thread that hangs out her garment and there's something there about her sinful anger and even though consequentially it's not as bad It's like, I can't get rid of this. And then when we talked about an actual event, and we role-played, by the way, that this is what you should say. This is how you should walk through this. You need to do more than scratch the surface with this, this innocuous, I'm sorry. Well, her sin does remain because she hasn't gone into detail with God or with the other person. She just smoothed out the horizontal relational dust-up with the friend, with no depth, through relational interaction, transaction specifically. Well, if you don't do that, then eventually your sin is going to return. Now, many people, honestly, I think, are just okay with smoothing out the relational dust-up. They are not okay with having this kind of in-depth conversation with another person that they send against. And so this sounds great, and it really works, and it works well if the other person is a believer. But I can hear some of you saying right now, Rick, Okay, I would be willing to do that with the person that I got sinfully angry with, but that person is an unbeliever. And so can they transact forgiveness? I mean, there's a a layer here of problems. Would you deal with that? Thank you for asking. Well, in the case of Mabel and Marge, Marge is an unbeliever. And we did have this conversation because obviously that is a problem. An unbeliever cannot forgive you because forgiveness is a three-actor play where God is part of the process. You see, Effectual forgiveness does it doesn't start with the offender and the offended, and it just operates on this landscape horizontal level. No forgiveness. True biblical forgiveness is a three actor play. The offender is uh, the offended and the offender, And and God are part of this relationship for forgiveness to happen. But here's the problem. The offended is not a Christian. God is against Marge. God's wrath is on Marge. Think about what John said in 336. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remind, remains on him. And then James talked about this in 4.6. God opposes the proud. And so the wrath of God is on Marge. God is in opposition against Marge. He is not for Marge. She is a child of darkness, a child of Satan. God is not working with her. And so forgiveness flows through a forgiven vessel. God provides the grace for anyone to forgive someone in an effectual sense. I mean, you can mouth the words, I forgive you, but those are merely words that It's on some level of saying, I am sorry. There's no faith-infused power because God is the one that gives you the power. They're just mouthing something, but it's not effectual because God is not the one providing or energizing Marge to forgive Mabel of what she did. It would be like a person asking Jesus into their heart, but God was not regenerating them. Those are just words. Jesus, would you come into my heart? People can say those words all day long, but if God is not the author of those words, if he's not the generator of those words, then there is no regeneration. They're just mouthing something, but it's not coming from the Lord. We are not the originators of salvation. We are not the originators of forgiveness. We're just the vessels for them. They are gifts from God. The offended must have a a clear path. The sinner, March, must have a clear path from God to herself to extend forgiveness to Mabel, for Mabel to receive the forgiveness of God through March— Otherwise, the point of origin for the forgiveness, it comes from a dark place. It comes from an unregenerate heart. It's just merely words. So if you're in a relational dust-up like Mabel was with an unregenerate person, the person cannot forgive you. But let's say you have a life-dominating sin with anger. How do you become free from your sin? You go through the forgiveness process with them, as I described earlier in this podcast. Nothing changes. Except. They can't forgive you. But you explain what you did. You you talk about the idols of the heart. You talk about your brokenness. You're vulnerable before this unregenerate person, and you're explaining to them how God is not pleased with your behavior and how you are lusting for something and you're using anger to— to acquire it, to manipulate them, et cetera, et cetera. You're doing what Paul said in in Romans 12, if possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with them. And effectually, you're still acting out the Ephesians 4 template. It's still in play. The fact that you cannot, that they cannot, that Marge cannot forgive Mabel, it doesn't hinder you from changing. Verse 22, put off in Ephesians 4, you talk with depth and comprehension about what you did. What, why, how you sin, verse 23, you are washing your mind with God's word. You're renewing your mind. You're not dependent on them to forgive you, but you do need the Lord to cleanse you with his word. And so you do as much as depends upon you to be free of this sin, even though they cannot transact forgiveness with you. Verse 24, you practice putting on new thoughts, which you can do because you've gone through such great depths in unearthing your evil motives. You understand what you did, why you did it, how awful it was in the sight of God. You are broken and cleansed, a cleansing, a being cleansed vessel, which positions your mind. It puts new words in your heart now, not angry words, because you're so broken over this. The other person receives different words from you, not angry ones, because evil even though they can't transact forgiveness because forgiveness is a gift, originates with God, through them to you, you can still go through the process. And by the way, one final thing. There is a gospel side effect when his children humble themselves this way before the unregenerate or a fellow Christian that they sin against. It is a powerful display of the gospel on an unregenerate heart. Anger is the strength and wisdom of the word. The process that I've just laid out for you is foolish and weak. The unsaved person you sinned against would never expect you to go to those depths to find cleansing of your sin. You will be acting out some powerful words like brokenness, weakness, vulnerability, humility. Perhaps God would use that in their lives. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.